Hello and welcome to episode 36 of The Power of X. I am your host, Scott Jenkins. Tori is currently away for this week. With me is Brendan Curtin. Hello, Brendan. Hello, everyone. How are we going today? I'm I'm going pretty well, pretty well. We just had the actual election night last night. Yes, we're, we're sitting here on a Sunday morning, fresh as daisies at 9am, sipping coffee and um, yeah, just mulling over the election results from last night. Did, did, did you get your democracy sausage? You know what? I didn't. I um, I didn't. I was very disappointed. Um, the two closest polling booths to me were, one was just up the road and that was like at the local community hall. And I thought they would have one, but I think they got rained out. And then the next closest one was probably about a 3K walk. And I had the, the, the little one with me. So I walked up early yesterday morning and I thought I'm going to get my sausage. And it was no sausage when I was there. So I was very disappointed. Um but yeah, like I ended up making up for it. I went and got a coffee and um, a sausage roll afterwards, just at the local bakery. So can't win them all, but at least I made up for it, I guess. Did you? No, unfortunately, I um, you know, I was bucking down where I am. I'm uh, just just splash splashing splashing everywhere. Um, managed to get in. Um, uh, got all my um, how to vote cart, how to get vote paraphernalia all wet. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, I managed to get in, get in, um, get the vote in, and yeah, just get out of there. Uh, did did that pretty early in the morning, so yeah, same. But yes, uh, yes, but definitely, definitely a very interesting um, election result. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, let us go ahead and let us discuss some um, Xbox news. So uh, I guess probably one of the biggest things that happened recently with Xbox is uh, sort of with Bethesda. Um, basically, they've had their couple of new games that would come and go th- for. Um, oh, sorry, uh, not Bethesda, Bethesda and Arcane um, Studios. Uh, with um, Arcane Studios with Redfall and Bethesda Games with uh, Starfield, um, they've actually delayed those two games. Uh, from their update, uh, from Bethesda's word, we've made a decision to delay the launches of Redfall Paul and Starfield to first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane Austin and Bethesda Game Studios have incredible ambitions for their games and we want to ensure that you receive the best, most polished versions of them. We want to thank everyone for their excitement for Redfall and Starfield. That energy is a huge part of what inspires all of us every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share our first deep dive into the gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield soon. Thank you for your support. First thought that comes to pop in my head, were these really coming out in 2022? Yeah, uh, Starfield is the one that surprised me where they said, yeah, we're delaying this out of 2022 because that well, that had got announced at E3 last year and they'd been talking about it for so long, it'd been rumoured and talked about and blah, blah, blah. Like the fact that they said, yeah, it's coming out 2022, it was like, uh, is it? Like, like, I didn't think, I didn't realize. So when they said we're, we're delaying it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, there's no way it would have been ready. But I just, I just want to think, like, this is like Starfield, you know, obviously with the Bethesda games, you know, Elder Scrolls, um, you know, Fallout, you know, you expect me quite a few years. I didn't really think it was, would have been that, like, soon to the actual next generation. Mm. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things with the times we're going through, you know, we're just, if we're ever going to get out of this panic soon, it's still going on. One of those things is just inevitable. You just have to cop it. Uh, but just everyone just has to understand that, um, yeah, these things happen. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's some, the unfortunate thing about the industry. Um, 
everything gets delayed. Um, and I think more than ever, especially now that, um, especially with the new IP like Starfield, there's this high expectation of it. Like literally nothing has been shown except for that initial trailer from last year. And I think the expectation is absolutely through the roof. So if that means they've got to delay it a little bit to try and either A, hit those expectations or make it the best game it can, like by all means, go for it. Yeah, that's the thing that's always sort of annoyed me with um, just to sort of diverge on a tangent is with the industry. It's always like because they're beholden to shareholders and stuff, and it's like you gotta you gotta get this game out in quarter twenty twenty two, blah blah blah, all that stuff. And they release these games like what's a good example of one that came out recently with a like Cyberpunk. But yeah, uh, like Cyberpunk came out, and look at that, they're still fixing it. You know what? When did that come out? Twenty. 20? Yeah, 2020. Then that's, that's, it's been a year and a half since then and it's still fixing it. So if, if they've got to spend an extra couple of months or an extra year or whatever to fix it and make it the best it can be, by all means, go for it. Mm, exactly. Hopefully it won't go to the all down with the cyberpunk route. Hopefully they can actually get it up and working at a somewhat working state. Although this is the, although this is the Bethesda we're talking about, so you can take what you can get. Yes. <laughs> uh, I guess probably the other sort of big news is uh, with uh, Glant, cloud stream, streaming uh, via xCloud. Uh, they've announced that they're actually going to start doing um, free games that you don't actually need a Xbox Live subscription for. Although this will only really be for free-to-play fam- games. So they've, basically the only game that's done that now is Fortnite. So now you can run Fortnite on pretty much anything that runs on a web browser. So be it, um, obviously, be it with your PC, with your Mac, um, <laughs> and with and with your with your iPhone, which I find very hilarious uh, because obviously with this whole spat between <laughs> spat between Apple and Epic, uh, yeah, uh, Fortnite is back on the on the iPhone, but you know it's via cloud streaming. Yeah, it's it's so fun because I've got I've got like I got an iPhone 12 Pro Max. And I've got one of the latest iPad Pros, yep. so it's like the tw- it's a twelve point nine inch um, latest one, one hundred twenty hertz, like M one processor, and it's also got the uh, mini LED display, so like HDR. So if Fortnite was running natively on it, it'd be it looks absolutely fantastic. But it can't do that, not because it's not powerful enough, but because they're having a fight. Yeah, I totally. That that's that's so funny. Like I didn't even think about that until you just said that. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it it works. I mean, you you can say you can play Fortnite on the iPhone. It's just um, make sure you have a really good internet connection. Yes, doing it. Uh, but <laughs> no, but I've been playing. I've been playing a bit of Fortnite the current season. Now you've got because um, the way it works is you've got the battle. You effectively you get a battle pass and you work your way towards a sort of like the main. So like the main skin that um, you want, and this, so like last battle pass it was Spider Man. Uh, this battle pass it is Doctor Strange. So I've managed to get. Uh, I have managed to get Doctor Strange, um, which is good. Nice. Um, and then you sort of like in between you get like you various things like you get various skins, for various like you know original characters, various weapon skins, various emotes. So you know so you got your character dancing, uh, you know, or sitting down eating a meat pie in a esky cooler. That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, um, actually, last Saturday was really good because they ended up um, 
releasing my favorite character of all time, Robocop, into Fortnite. Yes, yeah, you sent me a photo of, of Robocop sitting on the on the esky eating a meat pie, and I was like, I don't know what Fortnite is anymore. I was that's mad. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> it's it, it it is absolutely crazy. Crazy. So now, yeah, Xbox Cloud Gaming. Um, uh, if you want to do Fortnite, you can. All right, let's go. Let's go ahead and let's discuss what we played. Okay, so the first game I played uh, for this would be Power Slave Exhumed. Uh, this is uh, effectively a remake of a game, uh, the remake being made by Night Dive Studios. Uh, full disclosure, I played this on the Nintendo Switch, but it is actually available on Xbox uh, Power Slave is actually a re yeah, it's, as I said, sorry, it's a remake of the Power Power Slave, which is known as USA or Exhumed in Europe games. They just basically got the two games team names for each of the territories and put them together. So it's like Biohazard, Resident Evil, or Resident Evil Biohazard. Exactly. Yeah, that's yep. that's exactly exactly right. That's a good point. Um, this game was originally released back in 1996 on PC, uh, the Sega Saturn, and the Sony PlayStation. The original game was developed by Lobotomy Software. They were sort of uh, wizards in regards to the Sega Saturn. These were the guys who were able to, using the actual, they actually made a, a like a Power Slave engine, uh, using that to make uh, not only Duke Nukem 3D, to port that over, but also Quake, the original Quake which is actually sort of mind-blowing because back then, uh, yeah. Quake, yeah, like really the only machine you would sort of think about running um, powers like sort of Quake would be the N64, yeah, uh, which it did that well. But yeah, just they were able to get this running, like with some tricks, getting this running on the Saturn, which is fantastic. With this, uh, there's actually a split between the console games and the PC games. The PC version sort of played like a traditional like build engine Duke Nukem um, shooter, so something like Doom, Duke Nukem, that sort of thing. Whereas the Saturn and PlayStation version, they're more in, would traditionally be put in sort of like a Metroidvania sort of like harboring towards like an early Metroid Prime sort of feeling. Uh, basically, you're actually just going, you're sort of going around and using abilities to actually adv- advance throughout, throughout the game. So story is um, Power Slave is slept in the ancient Egyptian city of Karnak. A uh, city has been seized by aliens with a special crack team of soldiers set to uncover the source of this trouble. However, the player's helicopter is shot down and the player barely escapes. The player is sent into the valley as the hero to save Karnak and the world. Uh, so you get into the first level. It's Obviously, it's sort of an Egyptian theme. Um, the first weapon uh, that you actually have on you is the machete, uh, but you quickly, on the like, sort of the next step over, you do get a pistol. The way this is... It's interesting the way this game works with its um, health and ammo. Uh, you get you replenish your health and your ammo by orbs uh, that you like sort of pick up by so, like shooting down um, jars. Um, interesting, like health you would sort of somewhat expect that, but ammo it's sort of it's got its own meter for each weapon. So rather than actually like you know having a sort of in traditional shooters, you go ahead you get your own particular ammo ammo set for a particular weapon. Especially, you got this orb. It just fills up your ammo meter and its actual meter, not an actual counter. So I would say it sort of works more like the Mega Man series, 
where you go ahead, you kill, you collecting, you collecting weapon, weapon for bosses, and you actually fill those up with those um, weapon meters. Uh, the first enemies you sort of encounter, you've got a sort of a like red spider and a and a blue and a blue scorpion. Now this is inch, this is funny as hell because what had happened was that originally in the Saturn version it was only these red spiders. They sort of like your lower end, the lowest end enemy. And then in the PlayStation version, you've got these blue scorpions. And apparently the reason is that Sony at the time dictated that if there was like a different, if there was another console version, the Sony version had to be a bit different. <laughs> just had to have a little bit different. So basically they just changed the enemies into these blue scorpions. Um, but basically this remake now, they just basically said, you know what? They're both in together. It's, that's so stupid. <laughs> it's I. I, I get like when you know, uh, you know, we don't want red blood on our system, so they make it green or whatever. But that, like, that's that's dumb. That's really dumb. Oh god, I'm still having uh, flashbacks on Doom on Game Boy Advance with the green blood. Yeah, <laughs> uh, good port though. Um, after you beat the first level, you meet the King Ramses, who's just a disembodied head, telling you that aliens have taken his mummified body, and you need to go in and get them from the aliens. Um, this is actually when you actually, once you meet up with Ramses, you actually go to sort of the end of the section. You actually, you actually, um, go and exit the level by, um, there's a camel there. Like an actual camel that you can go ahead and use to travel between, supposedly between the levels. It's me. And it's fun. And it's just funny because now that we sort of got a, we sort of got a first person shooter where any, uh, something with a camel noise is actually a camel, you know, rather than say like the imp from doom. Having, having the camel noise. <laughs> uh, so it's an actual camel. But yeah, it's sort of like sort of a map screen. You go around, uh, you know, various uh, locations in Egypt. Uh, as you progress through the levels, you'll be collecting sort of the symbols, like say symbols of time. These work sort of like your uh, key cards uh, or like sort of, yeah, sort of keys that you go in. It's sort of annoying because you re- you're constantly replaying levels um, when you're playing real levels basically when you go ahead you get a certain ability and then you go back into the level you've actually got to um pick up the, those keys again which is annoying as hell uh, uh so i sort of sort of thought you okay, get maybe they could sort of like keep them in but yeah that's a that's the way it works uh enemy roster you sort of you've got your anubis zombie these are your standard grunt enemies uh they sh- basically shoot fireballs Got Omen Wasps, they sort of annoying, like sort of like annoying lost souls, uh, go around buzzing around. You've got uh, mummies, which sort of uh, fire evil red spirits in your locations, sort of like a um, they sort of act, they sort of shoot rocket launchers. Uh, you got the Basset, which is this super annoying, um, super annoying, um, always teleporting, you know, sort of tiger lady people. They're just going around, they're going around really fast, trying to always bite you and just teleporting around everywhere. And then towards the end of the game, you end up getting sort of a fight this thing called a mag, magmatus. It's sort of like a like a worm sort of thing that just lives in lava, and it's always it's constantly shooting a barrage of fireballs at you. Very, very, very. Uh, that's sort of like towards the end of the game. Uh, when you're actually going hand to getting weapons, uh, you got your M60. This. Actually, just upgrade. Not so much upgrade. You can still keep your pistol, but then you got your M6, and that sort of uses to like you know take down enemies further. Uh, you got your anum anum bomb. Uh, this is all acts like your grenade, so you can shoot it at 
but you can shoot at enemies. You can shoot at walls to destruct the walls. Uh, very useful to actually go around, go around the place trying to open up um, hidden secrets. Uh, flamethrower, pretty much what it, what it is. Uh, Cobra Staff, this sort of suits like a green snake snake thing at enemies. Um, so I believe it's homing for a little bit. Uh, this sort of acts like your rocket launcher. Uh, then you got what's called the Ring of Ra. Uh, basically, rings you put, put in your hand and you unleash the fury of the gods with a volley of ferocious fireballs, especially like constantly just swinging out fireballs, like little tiny fireballs. And then once, then the last, uh, last weapon you get is the Manacle of Power. Uh, these ones basically fire death same bolts of lightning and eviscerate your enemies. So your standard lightning bolts. Uh, the artifacts you get, these are what you use to actually progress through the game. So effectively, you get the you start with the sandals. So you can jump. Basically, it increases how high you jump. Uh, you get a Sobek mask, which allows you to bring it underwater. A shawl of Isis, which you use to f basically you can actually float down. Uh, I sort of, and then you've also got a you've also get a Horus feather. For, it basically gives you the ability to levitate. So I see this sort of like with the sandals, the shore of Isis and the Horus feathers. Basically, it sort of like puts you through like, say, the original Super Mario Brothers 2, where basically you start off as Mario and then you get the sandals. You can jump high like Luigi and then you get the shore of Isis, which actually lets you basically float down again like Luigi. And then you get the Horus feather, which basically allows you to levitate Basically, like you can just hold the jump button, you can just sort of hold and keep levitating, and uh, that sort of it works like Peach with her ability. So I found that pretty funny. And then, yeah, basically you've also got some like a protective anklet which reduces your um, damage from lava and poisonous swamps. And then you get a, get a scepter, which all it does. There's these areas which just got like a green static fit, like force field that you can can't go through. You can just go through that. So it's probably one of the actual laziest. Uh, abilities. <laughs> yep. You basically also had these um, sort of like symbols that go around and sort of increase your health. So you've got like basically like a bar of health, and then once you get these symbols, like sort of like Metroid Prime, you get these and sort of like they basically put like another stack of health on you. So you get two bars of health, and then three bars of health, and going from there. So I think you get about five there. So basically, yeah, the game that works, yeah, the the way it works, it's sort of like a Metroidvania. Yeah, basically. You get to a certain section, you can't get to, into it because basically you got to either jump high or you got to it's so far away you got to make sure you're able like able to float down or levitate. Uh, so you go around and say so you go to another section, try and basically get find abilities, come back and then just get up to the end. Um, towards the end, it gets really annoying because you constant. I had to found a couple of times that what I actually had to do, I had to basically use the levitate ability, go up to, like there's like a like a ledge that says I cannot get high enough I had to go up to a go up to go up to a wall with levitate ability and then throw a bomb at it basically damaging myself and sort of like doing a rocket jump as you will to try and get myself like higher up um which is which is annoying as hell because you're constantly losing health um but yeah it's um no it's it's a definitely a good time uh bosses really aren't creative just basically just bigger enemies just just go around uh, final boss is just a annoying. Lose all your abilities because you have to basically push them in. You have to give them up, and then you basically have to um, keep this boss. It's sort of like a giant, like a centipede with um, sort of its uh, mid section. So you have to destroy each time. 
and you can only use your weapon. So you just constantly like this strafe, um, circle strafing around the enemy trying to get that done. And then it gave me the bad ending. And it gave me the bad ending because I didn't go around getting the, I thought were optional transceiver, trans receiver pieces. So I had to actually go around, look up a guide, find, figure out where these were. Um, but I managed to do that. Basically just beat the game on the good ending. So yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Very interesting the way the game looks. It's sort of obviously trying to get through that, um, you know, that retro uh, boomer shooter style. Uh, I always notice like with the actual, with Power Slave and the actual lobotomy software games, they always seem to, there's always a sway when you turn left and right, um, which is like, I sort of, I actually turned that off because I, I found that really disorientating because um, I noticed the, uh, the, all their games do that. Um, yeah. But, but you've got a lot of graphical options. You've got a CRT filter. Uh, you've got everything they can sort of um, basically tweak everything you want, you know, endoscopic filtering, you know, basically, you know, the uh, FAV slider, the, um, what's it called? The warping that was present in like PlayStation Saturn games. Uh, you can actually enable that. No, I, look, it was about, um, I think it's about 25 bucks on the Xbox store. Uh, if you're into Boomer Shoes, I would say, yeah, definitely um, go around and give it a go. It looks cool. I've never heard of it before. Like, um, I love all the boomer shooters and I've never heard of this before. And when you started talking about it, I'm like, oh, I'll go have a look. It looks awesome. It looks I, I might have to grab it. Yeah, and it's like it's like it's not it doesn't really play somewhat like a traditional boomer shooter. You know, there is a PC version, which I'm actually curious to try out now, uh, which does play like that, you know, standing you know, level by level by level. But yeah, this one sort of works like a Metroidvania. So yeah, definitely good. Speaking of boomer shooters, you've actually been playing another somewhat boomer shooter, uh, Doom sixty four. How was that? Yeah, it's been good. So, like full disclosure, it's um, you know, and I'm just going to pull out the dad card. It's it's been hard to find time to play anything. It's basically I'm at I get up early with the with the son. I'm off to work and then come home and look after Lucas and then off to dead. And it's like that most of the week, which is fantastic. Like I love it. Like don't get me wrong, but. Um, I haven't had much time to play anything, but that recently changed because I've started catching the train to work just to save a bit of money. And um, I'm like, well, well, I can start playing stuff on the train. So I didn't play it on the Xbox, but you can get this on the Game Pass, I believe. Um, but yeah, I've uh, been playing Doom 64 and it's been great. Um, full disclosure, it, it was the only Doom game I hadn't finished. So every other Doom game I'd finished um, to completion, you know, all secrets, all that. Um, and then this is the first one that I hadn't. We, we got it years ago when we had a 64, but I just couldn't get into it. It didn't feel like a Doom game to me, which was odd when I was a kid because um, of how tonally different it is. Like you look at Doom 1, like Doom 1 and 2 in particular, and it's somewhat bright and cartoony and, um, you know, it's, it's Doom. And then Doom 64, it's like, almost like what you'd expect it to be if it was a teenager, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's dark and brooding and moody and just different from what Doom is. But um, I figured, all right, score it. Like I should just sit down and just play it or get, get through it. So I was playing it on the train to and from work and I really enjoyed it. Like I, I finished it. I finished the, the Lost Levels expansion um, that come with the remaster. 
um, which is funny because it's uh, the same company that did um, Power Slave. Um, exactly. The, yeah, it, it's very funny and coincidental that we're both talking about this because it's both Night Dive Studios. They they remastered both these games, um, fixed all all the issues that were originally happening with it. Um, it's it's fantastic to actually be able to turn up the brightness on Doom sixty four and it actually look bright. Oh, that was always the biggest thing. Like I. Because I didn't have a Doom 64 growing up. Yep. Um, I did end up getting one later on. And one of the games was like, okay, I'm going to actually play Doom 64 on the N64. Uh, but that brightness setting, that brightness, it's just like you try and push it up as much as you can, put the TV as much as you can. But no, at the end of the day, it's just too dark. It's just awful. Like I was reading about it because I'm like, why was it so dark? Because like I was playing it um, and I immediately turned up like all the brightness on it just so I could see what I was doing. But apparently when they were making the game, they were sitting in like complete darkness making this game. So they would turn down the brightness on the actual game itself. So when it got to the testers and they were like, it's so dark, we can't see what we're doing. And they had to add a like a brightness thing at the last minute on the 64 one. And even then, oh, it didn't really help. Um, so it's fantastic. It's a lot of quality of life improvements. Um, but yeah, it, it was fantastic. So it's not... There's not as much stuff as there would be in like Doom uh, 1 or 2, for example. Um, there's not the enemy roster that is present in Doom 2. Like you don't have the chain gunners and you don't have the revenants and archviles and stuff. Um, but a lot of the enemies you know and love are there. Um, what really stuck out to me, and I don't know if it's because of the uh, upgraded power of maybe the 64 at the time or it was just different people working on the on the game but the level design is very interesting um compared to a normal doom game i found there's a couple of things in it that i was like oh okay that doesn't seem like very doom like it almost seems like um it was made for a different game so there's one level in particular um it's towards the end of the game it's maybe like the second or third last level before you hit the boss and it's it's like a castle and you got to get all the keys. So you get the red key, blue key, yellow key. And then that doesn't unlock the, the final thing. There's all these like doors around the map and they've got the red key, blue key, yellow key next to it. So you just think, oh yeah, I just got to come back with all the keys and open this up. No, it doesn't do that. You got to go to a separate room and you have to have taken track of the order of the color of the keys next to those um, other doors. You've got oh. to punch them in and then go back to those doors that are now open and then press a switch in them to open up the final door. And I tried to like do a lot of this game without a guide. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go in. You know, it's a Doom game. How hard can it be? And then that was the first time like in that playthrough, I was like, I've got to read a guide. I have no idea what is going on. I've got all the keys. I don't get what's going on. Um but it was really cool, like just some of the stuff like that, um, and just the the level designs themselves are very interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's good. Like I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It was a nice sort of freshness to it, which is odd considering the game's twenty five years old at this point. Um, and what was the other thing about it? Yeah, so I got to the end of the game, so I blast through all the game, got to the end, got to the final boss, um, and it was kicking my ass absolutely kicking my ass and i was like why is this so hard like it should just be 
you know, like just strafe around, like any other Dune game, just strafe around and, you know, shoot the crap out of this thing. And then um, I looked up like, okay, is there an easy way to beat this thing or am I missing something? What's going on? So the final boss of the game is, um, they call it the Mother Demon or something. And the only new addition in this game in terms of weapons is a weapon called the Unmaker, which is like um, meant to be more powerful than the BFG. What does this? Yeah, what does this say when it, when you pick up the Unmaker? Yeah, it's like what the f is this or something. It doesn't even <laughs> give you a, like you picked up the, the the Unmaker. So it's like this demonic looking weapon, and it shoots a red laser. It uses the same ammo pool as your plasma and your BFG. So you think, oh, cool, this thing's going to be a powerhouse, and it's powerful, but um, it doesn't really do a lot of damage to begin with. And you think, oh, okay, like this is kind of a you know pretty crappy weapon. And then um, I was reading like, yeah, you've got to beat the the final boss with the Unmaker. But even still, it was kicking my ass. Like, what is going on? Like, what am I missing? So here's the thing about it. And it's cool. But at the same time, I'm thinking about this from both my perspective now and when I was a kid. So to beat the final boss easy with the Unmaker, you've got to get to these secret levels with these demon keys. And the demon keys are found in these secret levels. And the conditions to getting to these secret levels, some of them are easy, but some of them are like insanely, insanely stupid. And like the amount of like guessing and guesswork you've got to put into this thing to figure out how to get to the secret levels is crazy. So you get these three demon keys from these secret levels to fully power up the Unmaker that turns it into the like the monster melter it's meant to be. Um, so I got all the way to the end of the game and read that. And I'm like, I'm starting again. So I started all the way at the beginning, used the guide to get to the secret levels. Um, cause for example, there's one on the first level and to get it, uh, this is just how insane it is. Um, the first level, there's 10 barrels in the first level. So you got to go through the whole level, destroy all these barrels and a teleporter opens up, but they recommend don't shoot the first barrel that you see. Go through the whole level, take out all the barrels, use a teleporter to go back to the very beginning of the level. Shoot that first one. A door will open up behind you for five seconds. So you've got to go through, do this whole thing. And it's like, I'm just thinking about it. Like when I'm reading this thing on how to get to these secret levels, I'm like, how is like a 10 year old supposed to figure yeah. it out? Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. But it's really fun at the same time. Like it really encourages you to explore levels fully unless you're like doing a speed run and you're confident you can take out the final boss easily um but yeah like once i finally did all the secret levels got all the demon keys and stuff i was like i really really liked it like i had such a really fun time with it um i definitely recommend it um yeah it's just yeah like when you were talking about power slave as well i just found that very funny as well you were talking about finding these the 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 secret items or whatever for the for, yeah like and i'm like this is I'm, I'm like i'm gonna be talking about this in a second too and it's like almost like the same thing you know <laughs> like finding finding secrets yeah and it's sort of annoying with with doom because it's like doom because at least with power slate you can sort of go back to the previous levels and sort of find it where sort of like if you sort of miss that within doom 64 from what i remember um yeah if you like don't get to the secret level for like say like one of the um demon keys that's it yeah, that's you have it. To sort of like you have to go ahead and sort of have to reload your save, 
uh, making sure that like you do that. Uh, I guess probably the only thing is just like you know if you were if you were playing this on the original Doom sixty four, you would have been actually unless you had like one of those memory cards you put into the the controller, you would actually begin passwords for it. Yeah. Um, so you can sort of like okay if you were like if you were really doing it you'd be you'd be writing down the passwords and then you find out oh wait a minute was I supposed to do that okay I'll load in I'll type in this password oh, thank God they're a thing in the past um, but yeah just going typing it into like reloading that still amazing that apparently you can still use those passwords in the game yeah well that was the thing I noticed because obviously you know we don't need memory cards and stuff anymore it just saves to the system and uh, but every level gave me a password so. It made me wonder, like, I wonder if I could go back to the 64 one and, like, type the password in and see if it works. Uh, you probably you probably could, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I really liked it. Um, I always sort of not avoided it, but never really gave it the time it probably deserved. And now that I have, it was well worth it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, it is on the Game Pass. Um, you can play it and if you've got time like you could probably smash it out an afternoon if you really want to um definitely but yeah it, it, it was great really enjoyed it and those extra levels they put in um really fun as well and it also the the lost levels also link up with um uh, doom eternal it gives a little um storyline reason why this is happening and how it links up with doom eternal ah nice because i know um Apparently, Doom, the first game that Hugo Martin, the director of 20, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, his first game was in fact Doom 64. Yeah, I think he's got a he's got a very much he's got a very much a big love for that game. Yeah, absolutely, and it, that shines through in Eternal, um, especially after you play 64. I mean, in Eternal, you do get the Unmaker as well. Correct. Yeah, um, and to do that, you've got to sort of find keys in, in Eternal as well. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, a lot, a lot of love and doom from Doom 64 into Eternal. Um, and I can see why now after finishing it. Yeah, it was fantastic. Really, really good. Okay. So going from, um, Boomer Shooters, uh, we now go into where I play next, which is DuckTales Remastered. Woo-hoo. Now, <laughs> woohoo. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Now I originally got this back when it first came out. Uh, I got this on the Wii U back when the when I was yeah back when we all loved the Wii U yep and it wasn't a complete well, actually it was probably still a complete failure back then um, but I just sort of one day I just had the kangaroo's like you know what I really want to play DuckTales again and I'm like you know what I'm probably going to have to pull out pull out the Wii U out again because I know it was delisted from the store and it was like I'm going to use either the gamepad, which is probably hasn't been charged up, or use that Wii U Pro controller, where the actual analog sticks are. The, you've have you ever had one of those uh, Wii U Pro controllers? The Wii U ones, yes. Yeah. Oh god, those ones where the actual sticks are both sticks are actually up the top, and the buttons down the bottom. It's like does not work well for um like platformers. Yeah, I bought it for Tekken. When Tekken Tag 2 came out on the Wii U, and I was like, yep, I'm going to play this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. I'm very terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, but as it turns out, apparently it was delisted back in 2019, but it was brought back in 2020. <clears throat> and so I thought, okay, 
let's see let's see if it's possibly on the xbox store because i know like obviously you got 360 games running on the xbox one i'm wondering this is one of them and sure enough it is so i thought okay still a little bit of a steep price now it i think i paid about 15 bucks for it uh if you can if it ever goes on sale i'd say pick it up uh but maybe just wait a bit for the price but i just i had that hankering for it um but no, this is um, DuckTales Remastered. This is obviously the remake of the NES version from 1989. Did you ever play the original version? Not the original one. Um, I did play and finish the, the remaster when it originally came out um, on the Wii U, same as you. Uh, but no, this, yeah, this is a remake of the 1981. Um, this is your, basically your standard, your standard platformer. The original NES was... Based off the Mega Man engine, so it plays a lot like Mega, like like the movement is a lot like Mega Man. Uh, you go around, you're able to use your you, you play a Scrooge McDuck. You actually go around using your walking stick to basically like hit things um, and use it as sort of like a pogo stick, jumping around to use it to jump around to higher ground and defeat enemies on the head. Um, with the remake, uh, it's all. It's fun, funny. It's all fully voice acted by the original, like original voice cast. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, right off the bat, it differs a bit. Differs because you actually start off on an introductory level called the Money Bin. So basically, the bigger boys have gone in, um, bomb bomb the front door and try and actually uh, rob Scrooge McDuck some money. So you get in the stage, it sort of teaches you, obviously, you know how to actually use the actual actual pogo stick, how to actually you know traverse around the place. You actually fight one of the. You actually fight a Beagle Boy. But it's funny the way they actually introduce the the boss on this level. This Beagle Boy actually has pulls out an army helmet, so you can't actually use your actual um pogo stick to actually jump on it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you actually have to wait until um, a safe comes down. You have to wait until a safe comes down. Then a sort of a round stone. You hit the round stone at the at the safe while the Beagle Boy is under it, and then. You get you do that. I think uh, I think I would probably obviously say three times, um, and then that's the introductory level done. Um, and then it basically starts off with the how the original works, where you basically you go around five levels. Uh, you go the Amazon, Transylvania, African mines, the Himalayas, and the moon. Uh, Amazon, you're looking for the you pay, the the premise of the game is that you go to each of these levels. You're trying to collect as much money as you can throughout the levels, defeating enemies, and then you go ahead, you fight a boss, and then you get that sort of a sort of a rich a money item. So, like say with the Amazon, you get a scepter of the Incan Incan King. Uh, very much the level, very much looks like something obviously out of um, Jungle Book. Um, even sort of like the snake enemy looks like Car from, um, uh, sorry, Car from the Jungle Book. Uh, always, always a nice touch. Um, and then the next level you go is to Transylvania. You try and look for the coin of the lost realm. Uh, we've got a lo- lot of uh, trick doors. You actually go in and try and sort of like a maze thing. You're going, going to one door, coming up some sort of out other end, sort of the trying to defeat, you know, mum- huge mummified um, ducks. Um, and then if you, when you defeat them, they sort of roll up and just, just dis- obviously disappear. There's a lot of mine carts in that level, trying to jump up, duck down like Donkey Kong Country. Um, uh, it ends up being that that boss of the game is uh, Magica uh, from the original DuckTales. 
and so she's um, you know transform transforming around there. Um, next level is the African mi- African mines. You're trying to get the actual giant diamond of inner earth. Um, yeah, basically, this is just your standard mine, mine level. Uh, you ended up finding the Terra, the Terra Fermi King, which sort of looks like a, this bouncing ball enemy, which is sort of sort of sort of cute. Um, uh, next stage is the Himalayas. You try to find the lost count of Genghis Khan. Uh, this is your snow level. Trying to go go around. Uh, you got a lot of uh, rabbit enemies that look like Thumper from Bambi. Um, <laughs> And so it's all these things that you sort of, sort of all these characters and sort of look like, um, look like characters from like original Disney properties, you know. And after seeing, you know, um, Chip and Dale just recently, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, have you seen that yet? Yeah, I watched it yesterday. I'm, I I loved Chip and Dale when I was a kid. So me and uh my partner sat down and watched it yesterday, and it was fantastic. Nice, nice. And then the last level, and the sort of like the last of the five levels is the moon, and sort of this is probably the most iconic of the actual levels uh, because you know, everyone loves the the music of the, uh, the, the music's are fantastic in this from the original and the remake. Uh, but probably the moon theme is probably the one the most iconic that everyone just remembers. Um, you get the moon, che- you're trying to get the moon che- moon cheese, um, and then this is uh, this is where you go ahead and um, they actually put you with uh, what's it called, Robo Duck? Is that his name? This is the one, basically, like you know, sort of like a big, big top, and then sort of like a unicycle on the bottom. You have basically you have to go around and fight this level, trying to find his parts. Um, once you do, he effectively just shoots rocket launches while he's chasing you, and then he um, basically knocks down this wall for you. And then you're just trying to find the, uh, I think a. Once you do find a cheese, you actually get up, get a, uh, a giant, basically find a giant rat. Um, the final, and then it does the finale, uh, the final level. This is this is also has changed from the original. In the original, you are basically replaying the, basically the Transylvania level again, whereas this one you're going back to the African mines, but it's sort of a different. Um, this is a sort of a different uh, layout. So you're basically playing through another level. Um, this up. Uh, once you do, th- do that, this is also where you actually meet up with um, Flinthard Glomgold. Um, basically, he's sort of uh, egging you on as he's like he's in the background, sort of egging you on, trying to chase up, trying to get to the final bit. Uh, then you uh, you meet up with Magic Hara again, and then she releases uh, Count Dracula Duck. I was nearly tempted to say Count Duckula. Yes. <laughs> obviously, obviously that that's a, that's another one. Oh, oh, you get it. <laughs> no, see, no, no, see. Oh, oh, that's that. That is a game that that is a, that is a series that needs to be um need to put in a game. Maybe like you know, like a Ducktales thing. But no, this is um like the final boss fight is very different from the NES, where basically the I think Count Duck. No, I was about I was about to say it again. <laughs> uh, Count Dracula Duck. I was going yeah. Uh, Count Dracula. Um, basically, he's just like normal size, just swooping up and down. But in this remake, he sort of like has three forms. He's got like a big snake form that shoots fireballs at you. He's got a um, another form that's like turns like you know a thousand bats, and you sort of have to. It's sort of like a reverse, like a sort of a spatial data thing where they're all lined up. And there's like a section there that isn't lined up, so you have to get move your character into that section to actually make sure it doesn't get crushed. And then the last sort of form, 
like it replaces forms is that uh, he goes around and he's just a giant duck. He's trying to bite you down. So he's got to sort of go like underneath the mouth, the, the middle of the mouth. Um, once you defeat him, you actually have to go ahead and try and actually um, basically climb up again. Uh, in the original, you just basically ch- just trying to climb up a, ro- a rope um, and trying to outrace um, Flintheart and Magicka, trying to make sure outrun them. In this one, however, you're not climbing up. You're going through another set of um, platforming sections. Um, but once you do that, yeah, it's um, look, like it was. Uh, it's I would say probably like a probably couple couple hours this game, um, but still a really good good time. And I'm glad now that well with the whole thing with the whole Wii U and 3DS um, sort sort of like, like you still be able to re-download them, but like if, that's probably not going to last in the future. At least this one, I'm sort of. More hopeful that this will still stick around with my account. Yeah, I mean it's actually it's actually gone ahead from the 360 to the latest machines. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. If you can, yeah, Ducktales Remastered. If, if you can uh, find it on a special, I would definitely recommend you. Um, yeah, and it's I'm just had a look. It is on Steam. Um, so it's on Steam, and I'm sure at some point, probably in the next month or so. It'll probably go on special. So if you can get it cheap, grab it. Because, yeah, like like you said, um, just, I guess, to add my two cents, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, what a remaster should be. Um, yeah, absolutely perfect, yeah. For sure, grab it if you can. Um, and sort of last game uh, we want to talk about, uh, completely off to completely original, um, you've been playing Earthbound Beginnings. Yes. So... I- I, I guess yeah. I, I had to ask you before the show. I'm like, am I allowed to talk about this on a on an Xbox podcast? But you're like, yep, go for it. It's all good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've been playing Earthbound Beginnings just every now and again. Um, I was playing it because of, I, I played Earthbound years and years ago, and it's one of my favorite favorite games. It's it's one of my favorite games as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I played it. Um, the first time I played it wasn't on a Nintendo console, and I think like most people um out this way it was probably the same um but then i i got it on a nintendo console on the wii u and played that and played the crap out of it and loved it um i loved the 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 tone of the game and just that how fun it was and um just how unique it was um i think that's the thing that everyone who plays earthbound will tell you it's it's unique um and not not in a uh, you know well they're unique sort of way it's like no this is a unique game um and it still holds up very well so they took the success of that and re-released um well released for the first time in english um mother one so called it earthbound beginnings and that was on the wii u um and i bought that but never got around to playing it um and now with the switch online stuff where you get the nest games and snes games for free if you get the online subscription um i thought ah screw it i'll play earthbound beginnings um I'm probably a couple of hours into the game. Like I think I was talking to you about it a while back. Um, I probably played for maybe about seven or eight hours. Um, so I haven't finished it yet. Um, and then life sort of gotten in the way. So I haven't been able to jump back to it. But now with Doom 64 finished, I'm like, right, I've got to jump back into it. But it's been really fun. Um, same thing. I've been trying to not play games with guides or anything like that, even if it stumps me. Um, so it's been fun exploring and trying to figure things out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I think, uh, it, it, it's weird playing Earthbound and then going back to 
playing this because I can see all the building blocks for Earthbound in the first game, um, you know, and it getting expanded upon in Earthbound. So it's interesting playing it this way, um, like totally out of order. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. I, I've been really enjoying it. Um, like I said, I haven't finished it yet. I, I don't think I'm maybe close to halfway through the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great. I don't really have too much else to say because unfortunately I haven't progressed all the way through. But um, for what it is, I, I'm really enjoying what it is. Um, it's very difficult, those, those first couple of hours though. It's just a grind yes. fest. Absolute grind is. fest. It is so interesting the way because you're the same as you're saying before, you know, sort of the building blocks with Earthbound, but it's sort of playing this now. Like you play Earthbound, it's like this is a fantastic game, and then I, because I've actually beaten Earthbound Beginnings, after going ahead and playing Earthbound Beginnings, it's like you you just think to yourself, wow, Earthbound Earth, the original like Super Nintendo Earthbound, it's just such a phenomenal game because of what Earthbound like Earthbound Beginnings was because basically Earthbound Beginnings plays like that traditional, you know. RPG like Dragon Quest, any like NES Famicom RPG. You've basically got to go. Uh, it's very particular. You can't just go ahead and press a button to interact with something. You have to go into the menu, either talk to something or inspect something. You've got a limited amount of items you go. You know when you're fighting an enemy, if if you've got a group of, if you're if you got a party group and you're fighting a group of enemies, if one one of your party, if you're doing like auto auto um, hit, and then if you one of the enemies gets knocked down, but the one of your players was going to originally hit that enemy, their, their move just missed rather than actually logically going to the next enemy. Yeah. So it's basically got those th- there. Um, I actually did it because I, you and I would probably play it the same way, you know, not on a Nintendo console. Yeah. Uh, I actually, because back I did this many years ago, I did the silly thing. I thought I was being a smart Alec then, but I did the same thing. I was I was gonna play I played Earthbound Beginning first, then I played um then I played um Earthbound. Ended up being ended up being I had to basically by the end of it, I had to actually end up using like sort of a um sort of game genie cheats to go through it because I just could not progress through it. Yeah. Um but then once I get once I played Earthbound, it was like, wow, this yeah, this is such a revelation. You know, they've they've improved so much. Um uh, and then and then I also got it back on the Wii U. Didn't play, got up to a point. Didn't play, I think point. Um, just stopped playing. And then with this one, I just smashed it with this um with this uh Switch Online uh re-release. And, and yeah, I think a, a couple of things. Like I'll be honest, I um I did use like the rewind feature because because uh, some of the time because some of the times you just like they just you just get um the enemies just like get one hit on you. And it's just like. Really, really, you just did, you just did that. So I thought, like, okay, obviously, you know, are you like, are you doing it like, you know, faithfully? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you're you're a bigger man than me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah, because I figure like I could rewind back before the battle begins, and I'm like, oh, it's probably just gonna happen the same. So it's just like, all right, screw it, I'll just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried not to do it too much, but there were just a sort of a thing, a couple of instances, just like you know, I just really. I'm just trying to go through the end section. It's just like it's, it's just hitting me, and just hitting me. It's just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but no, definitely, yeah, definitely. I've had a fun time with Earthbound Beginnings. Um, and I found it funny they um because it's got a run button that you can use on there. Yeah. And what I found, and what I found because apparently this is originally this was um this is because they 
this was actually supposed to be released back in back originally back in the day. Um, but they ended up just canceling just because um, like it was fully finished, but they canceled it just because um, you know Super Nintendo was out and didn't want it to didn't want to spend all this like marketing and hype for a you know unknown JRPG. Yeah, well, um, I mean that marketing worked for Earthbound in the end, didn't it? Oh well, yeah. Uh, but with the run button, it was only there because it was sort of a debug. It was used as a debug menu, debug thing. Uh, and what actually does is not so much like you run fast. It just, <laughs> it just the doubles game. the game. Yeah, <laughs> it just opens the game. game. Yeah, so you 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 you, you go to a town section, you hold it, like you're not moving around, but all these other characters are going in. Zip, zip, zip. Yeah, because. <laughs> I, I had the, the sort of same take as that. I remember like, I was like, oh, cool, run button. I run into the town. All the characters are moving so quick. I'm like, what is happening? And then I let it go. And all the, the um, yeah, everything just slows down. I'm like, oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, that's the beginnings. Yeah, if you've got a Switch online, check it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely worth playing. Um, but just, yeah, be forewarned. It's, it's a bit rough in parts. What we're going to do now, we're going to suggest a fun topic to discuss. So, Brendan, you've um discussed, you've um selected a topic, uh, which is what series would you want to come back? So it's it's the reason we're going to this is because we're talking about like you know what are we going to talk about today? Like what's the big news and. Um, yeah, since I guess our last discussion, our last podcast, there was not a lot of news that really came out, um, like big earth shattering news. So it's like, well, what got me talking about, or thinking about this was, um, it, I guess somewhat news, but it's not really Xbox related, but, um, the, uh, leaking of the Duke Nukem Forever 2001. Ah, Yes. Um, which is kind of um, more of just a video game in general news. Um, if you don't know, uh, obviously everyone knows about Duke Nukem Forever and that coming out and how long it took. But there was a trailer that got released back in 2001. Just this, I'll give the Cliff Notes version. It got released in 2001. Um, everyone got really excited about it and then nothing got announced for ages. I think there was another announcement in 2003 and then you didn't hear anything until 2009. Um, but this 2001 trailer looked awesome. Everyone was so excited for it. And then it's been rumored for ages that someone is going to leak it. Um, and just nothing ever happened. And then all of a sudden, maybe two, three weeks ago, maybe a bit less, um, it got leaked online. This whole 2001 build, it's very unfinished. It's very unpolished. Um, but it's very interesting, um, as like video game history, um, and I was just thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know, like that would have been really cool um, if people can fi- fix this up. Um, someone's going to mod it, I can tell, and there's going to be a big project and someone's going to fix this game up and release it as a full project. But it got me thinking about like, well, what series would you like to come back? Um, and it got me even thinking about like, okay, what specific Xbox series you'd like to come back? Or was there something that was cancelled that, you know, you'd love to see come back? And then it got me thinking about Oh man, I got really excited for um, when Platinum Games announced um, Scalebound because I was a big. Ah, uh, yep. Um, maybe not so much new Platinum, but um, at the time I was really into Platinum Games um, and what they were putting out, Bayonetta, Wonderful One Hundred One, that sort of thing. And Scalebound, I was like, that looks sick. I really want to play that. 
um, and then that got cancelled. So I would have loved to have seen a final version of that or for them to bring that back in some way. Um, that's just one that comes to the top of my head, but I'm sure you've got a hundred things running through your head as to what you'd love to see come back. Yeah, because um, actually, I'll be honest, I sort of initially thought this as, well, you know, what sort of dormant game series, um, you know, that hasn't been released in a while, would you want to come back? But going from that, you know, sort of like le- from leaks, it's sort of like I have a game in mind and it actually sort of works both ways. Yeah. So the game I'm thinking of, because with, I'm a huge Mega Man ga- fan. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love the series. I've got actually one of those um toy guns that actually shoot like you put on oh, your arm nice. and shoot it lights up and makes the noises in there. Um and with Mega Man that's sort of like initially it was dormant, but then they released Mega Man eleven. It was like a sort of full on three like two point five D sort of reimagining. Because initially they did they like it it released normally uh, up to the NES to the Super Nintendo for one game and then PlayStation another game. Lay dormant. Then they did the whole when the Wii, the Wii PS3, Xbox 360 came out. It's like okay, they did a like sort of like a retro revival. And you had Mega Man Nine and Ten, and then they did, the, and then that ended up being just you know a, a long you know silence from Capcom. And then a couple of years ago, they ended up doing um, Mega Man Eleven, which you know I absolutely absolutely loved. Um, music wasn't the the, mo- the most greatest. Um, but you know the gameplay was the gameplay was solid, um, but I would actually want to see a revival of the Mega Man X series. Yes, I think I would think that would be pretty cool, and not just you know just sort of like you know the same things like Mega Man Eleven. I would love them to do sort of like the whole Mega Man Nine and Ten rat where they basically re-release a Mega Man X Nine game, but it's in the form of a Super Nintendo yeah game, you know, and even have sort of like you know, sort of the elements of the later, like Mega Man 5 and 6, you know, sort of like um, branching off, you know, having to go through um, different different levels again to do certain things, you know, rescue certain characters, that sort of thing. No time limit um, jargon, uh, but sort of like, you know, trying to like, you know, different elements, like I think the virus element in Mega Man X6, you know, sort of somewhat modernized, but still have it at the, as that classic, um, that classic feel. Classic yeah. look and like, you know, players X, players zero, even players like as Axel from Mega Man 7 and 8. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like just like sort of embrace the whole the whole series, um, like uh, continue on with the story, but just have it as that Mega Man, like the original Super Nintendo Mega Man X um, style. So I would absolutely love to see that. And then speaking of that, there was also, I don't know if you remember many, many years ago, there was also leaked footage of a Mega Man first person shooter. Um, I don't know. The Metroid Prime dudes or X Metroid Prime people working on it, correct? Yeah, yeah, that that's right. Now the whole style of the game, like you know, the way Mega Man X looks, and then I didn't really care for that much. But I do think an actual Mega Man style first person shooter, I think, could work. Like sort of, still, like still, like keep it true to like the, you know the anime style, um, but sort of I. I know everyone harps on, you know, Doom Eternal, you know, the the um the platform is the worst part. Uh, but I sort of feel like it does certain, works in certain areas. I feel like you can sort of like work towards that, like just making sure you you, you always got the double jump. You're know, easier to get across platforms. Yeah. No, but sort of like you obviously you have like traditional like shooter and um yeah just like a different perspective. Um, so I didn't I, yeah I didn't really think that the first person shooter was the worst idea. It was just a style of it. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, if not that, at the least, like Mega Man X9, Super Nintendo style, and just go from there. And also Mega Man Legends, re-release Mega Man Legends 3. Or better yet, um, re-release Mega Man 1 and 2. Just a, a legacy collection. Yeah. Even though it's two games, yeah. re-release it. Because I think... Yeah, it's um, it's so disappointing. Like, just, I, I'm with you 100%. Like, just do Mega Man X. Like, just a new one. Why not? Like, Sega's a really good example of doing this um, with Sonic. Like, when was the... Before Sonic Mania, when was the last good Sonic game that you were like, I'm genuinely excited to play Sonic. This is really good and everyone loves it. I think Sonic Generations. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. But, like, I guess... Yeah, I thought it was going to be before that. I totally forgot about Generations. But I guess, like, you know, everyone was always like, Sonic's really good as, like, you know, 2D and blah, blah, blah. Like, all those Sonic Advance games, people really loved. They go, like, people know what is good about Sonic. And you have all these fan games and stuff come out. And then it's like, all right, cool. Like, they go, here's the keys of the kingdom. You guys make a good Sonic game for us. And it's like, Sonic Mania is great. And it's like, cool. Well, are we going to get more of that? And it's like, no, more 3D Sonic. And it's like, well... Why not get people who are passionate about it? Like like Mega Man. Mm. Mega Man's a good one. Like um you had that um what was it? Mega Man versus Street Fighter that came out yep. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and that was just a fan game. It's like what's wrong with getting people who are fans of the game to make a product for you and to sell it? You know, cuz Sonic Mania made a good amount of money. And it's, I, I think it's just maybe like a, maybe a pride thing. I, I, that's the only I can think about, like that they're too prideful to admit that, okay, maybe we've lost our touch with it. Like, let's get, we, we can't let someone else upstage us. But by all means, it, it's like, it's just the opposite. It's like, oh, cool. Someone is able to make this product for us. It's, you got to look at it from a business thing. Like if someone's able to make a product for you and make money for you, like, why not? invest in them why not use them but um it's the same thing with Mega Man like how hard is it to just go cool here's a team of people who like let's just chuck 20 people into a into a little thing together we'll give you a year to make a Super Nintendo style Mega Man X we'll release it for 15 bucks you know um you know or even just as a side project it, it does anyway so that's the point um I guess I like that I'm on there's, there's so many series that you see want to see come back um you know I'm just like I'm trying to look now. I'm just looking around my room at all the video game stuff I've got. Um, like, what's a good one? I mean, even like what what we discussed before, Earthbound. Earth, yeah, exactly. Like, where's Mother Three? Like, just put Mother Three out. Like, Nintendo's too prideful to take that English patch and put it out. You know, um, you've got a full translation there. How hard is it to go to those people? Okay, we're going to give you X amount of money. Thank you for the work, um, but we're essentially buying the translation off you and we're going to sell it, you know, or even give them a cut of the profits. Um, actually, it could be one I'm looking at right now. It's like one of the biggest posters in my room, F-Zero. I'd love to see a new F-Zero. Yep. Um, and it annoys the crap out of me that Nintendo's like, no, we've got to find a new unique thing for it. And it's like, no, just put out a damn good racing game. Like, how hard is it to go just make a new F-Zero and just make it F-Zero GX and just do that again? Um you know, like not everything requires innovation. You just need to trust the product. Um, I would love, I would love to make another Unreal tournament. Yeah, 
And it's like how like you're never going to see it now. Like the, the closest you're ever going to get is just Unreal Tournament skins in Fortnite now. And how disappointing is that, you know? Yeah. Um, there's just so many. There's so many series. Like even just I've got a, a, a desk that I worked on. Like I bought a crappy Ikea desk and just plastered stickers all over it. And yeah. there's so many stickers on here that are just like from series that I love, you know? Um yeah, and like like Pikmin, for example, like I'd love to see a new Pikmin. I think the yep. Switch would be really good for that. Um, mm. yeah, what else? Um, Jet, Set, Jet Set Radio. I'd love to see Jet Set Radio come back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I won't go too much into that because I think that's Tori's territory. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I won't divulge too much about that. But you know, like I think, especially now with the way the industry is, you know, like you've got people who can make a, a, a game in their bedroom and release it to all this like critical acclaim, like Binding of Isaac that was made by two people. And yeah, that it just, that's a huge series and that's made a crap ton of money and people love it. And yeah, that was made by, yeah, like I said, two people, you know, the, the industry is so different now. Like all these big companies should really just like put a chunk of their money aside and go, we're going to put this for, for fan projects and stuff. Cause you release a game for 10, 15 bucks that people love. Like, for example, make a new Mega Man X and just make it, you know, a bite-sized downloadable thing for 10 bucks. I mean, people I mean gonna, yeah, people be, yeah, people, people, yeah, people going to do that. People have been doing, I think this one, um, I think it's sort of like Mega Man X sort of, I don't know what it's called. So it's like a virus theme sort of thing. But like people yeah. have been making like, me, like Mega Man games, Mega Man X games. They've even been made like um, D-Max of like, Rockman seven and eight, so the original style. So yeah, and it's just like it's not it's not hard to do. It's not hard to do this, and like I just wish companies would take more risks. But unfortunately, like they look at it from a business perspective, it's like, well, we might lose money on that, and it's like, but you might make a crap ton. Like you know, um, sort of some money is better than no money. Well, that's it. That's exactly it. Actually, that's a good one. Punch Out. I'd love to see Punch Out come back. Like I love that Wii version. Um, if if you're able to get your hands on it, it's just so much fun. Like it's, um, you know, you don't need to innovate as well. I find that a lot of people, when they try to bring these series back, it's like, okay, it's the same thing before, but here's this new thing, and it's like, no, just bring it up to date with like what everything is now. Like Punch Out's a really good example. It's like. It's literally just the Nest one again, but with better graphics and, you know, um, a few extra things here and there. That's it. Um, and so these, these video game companies, when they do re- try and release this stuff, you know, they sort of want to put it in a bold new direction. And yeah, sometimes it works, but sort of like, you remember that Commander Keen rem- um, sort of mobile game that's supposed to come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting canned. But, you know, that like an art style, like they're like, have they still have the same, like, you know, kid characters, you know, the offspring of the original Commander Keen, but just have it like sort of like a traditional, like ha- what the original um, yeah, Commander Keen was. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's funny, actually, one just came up when you're talking about bold new directions and stuff. Do you remember Bomberman Zero? Oh, I haven't played it, but I do, I do know about it. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the perfect example of what you're talking about of like these companies thinking they've got to go in a bold new direction. And it's like, no, like, don't worry about it. Like you, you made Bomberman Zero and it was crap because you thought you were 
catering to Western audiences and people were just like, no, I just want a fun new Bomberman. And then we got Bomberman R, which was great fun. That was really fun with a couple of people playing with you. It was awesome. But no, it's like, no, let's make it edgy. And uh, remember that period of time where it was like, yeah, yeah, hey, Capcom was really good at it. Buy a bunch of Western studios, make it edgy and Western, and then it crashed because it's not what anyone wanted. Well, apparently no one wanted to play games where your wife is in your arm. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about Bionic Buy- Commando. Oh, my God. But funny, actually, that another good example of that is, um, uh, it's, I don't know what it's called, um, Dark Void. It's sort of the game where it's a brand, it's a brand new, this is funny, this is a brand new IP. Uh, basically, it's sort of like, like images like the Rocketeer sort of thing um but that was so they released that on the xbox and playstation and it's like you so you sort of stand like you're like binary commander sort of like ho-hum sort of game but what they ended up doing they also released it on the ds as like binary commander like a sort of a demake yeah and that was re- that was really good yeah and so it's like yeah you could do even do that like, th- that's annoying because i think that's only on the ds which is gonna get um yeah you're not gonna be able to buy anymore yeah, um, yeah, that, those little games too. Like when was the yeah Dark Boy you talked about, but, but they put out Bionic Commando. Um, oh, re- yes, I, I never as well. It. Yeah, yeah, and, like that was better than <laughs> the game that was there to promote. <laughs> you know. Oh goodness, it's yeah. There's just so like I think that's the thing. You could go on about this topic all day, and like I know we're gonna finish it up this podcast. And we're both going to be like, oh man, but what about this? And like, want to talk about? And then we'll, I'll have this for for days on end now. There's so many good series that deserve to come back in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just a remaster or something. Um, you know, and with so many ways to play games nowadays, you got your PC, you got your consoles, you got the Switch, you got your phones, even. Uh, you know, to go back onto that, it's just, I don't know. Like, I just feel like companies, um should take more risks. There's nothing wrong with taking a risk if it plays out well. And, you know, like, because you don't need to throw a lot of money at a risk. Like, um, you know, test the waters with the, with the remaster. Um, like, good example is, um, and we just had a sequel this year after, I, I think, like 20-something years since the original of Windjammers. Like, I love Windjammers. And that was just, like, this game that never really got a full proper release out this way because i think it was a neo geo game yeah yeah neo geo and i found out about it through emulation and then when they released it on the switch i'm like hell yeah i'm buying that and then because everyone was buying it and you know there was this like um organic sort of push for it they're like oh we're making a second one and we just got a second one which is just as good as the first yeah you know like um yeah, just take more risks. It, it, it might not always pan out, but at least then, okay, like you, you tried and move on. But like we were saying, unfortunately, it's all business. Like no company's going to take a risk anymore because they, they're the bottom line and they've got to listen to the shareholders and stuff. Mm. And unfortunately, if the shareholders say get into NFTs, you got to get out of it. Ugh. Even that stuff, man, like that's just so disappointing. Like the fact that Square Enix, actually that's, news that's news that we we sort of didn't talk about i didn't even remember um square enix just sold up 
um, like Crystal Dynamics and Idos. Yeah. Um, to I don't even know what the company's called, but um, like thirty million dollars or something they sold it for, or three hundred million. Um, <sighs> to I don't even know what the company's called, but they own Gearbox and stuff as well. Ah, uh, yep. Uh, hold on, here we go. Embracer, Embracer Group. Uh, to acquire IDOS, Crystal Dynamics, and Square Enix Montreal, which would just be renamed to whatever. But they sold that for $300 million. And Deus Ex, actually, hell yes. Deus Ex. We, I want a new Deus Ex. Well, now that out of Square Enix, maybe maybe the opportunity will be there. Yeah. Because um, that was fantastic. Like, that game... Like, what was it? That's the thing, too. Like, the, the Square Enix buying... You know, IDOS and that sort of thing, and then they go cool. Like, um, what was the what was the first Deus Ex game that came out through them? Um, Human Revolution, and then the second one was Mankind Divided. Like, Human Revolution was fantastic. So was Mankind Divided. I love those games. Um, and then, uh, you know, you didn't get anything after it because it's like, well, it only sold three million units, not four million. And it's like, in what world would you look at 3 million units being sold as a failure, you know? Um, like, that's what annoys me with, like, these bigger companies. It, Ubisoft's the same as well, and EA is the same. All, all the big companies are the same. It's just, it's painful. It's absolutely painful. Apparently, EA looking to get bop, um, sold out or merged. Yeah. Even IO Interactive... Oh, cool. Hitman didn't reach the heights that we didn't expect because it only sold 100 million copies instead of 101 million copies. You know, like that, that sort of stuff. It's, it's so frustrating. And it's like, <sighs> don't set these lofty expectations, especially when it's like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, like, again, it's the same thing. You could go on all day about how annoying this stuff is and how, you know, I want X, Y, and Z to come back. But yeah, it's just, yeah, you, like I said, you'd be here all day. Yeah, only only X I want is Mega Man X. But that's a good one. That's that's one you could so easily. Oh, that's that's. I'm gonna think about that all day now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got on the mind. All right, thank you everyone for listening into this Power of X um, podcast episode 36. Uh, thank you, Brendan, for having a chat with me. No, no worries. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, we're entering this brave new world of Australia at the moment. So glad I could spend it with you. Yeah, so well, I think it's appropriate that we are on the power of X, or you know, the color of green. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Catch you later. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Power of X. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out the other shows on the Game Podjo Network and Focus and Play State. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podjo community. 
Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both are on our website. Thanks. This episode was edited by me, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheScottyJman. You can also follow Tori on Twitter at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O, and catch her Twitch streams at ToriSTW. And you can follow Brendan on Twitter at ShiggyNinty and catch his Twitch streams at ShiggyNinty. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs>